Hey everybody, just wanted to take a few seconds of your time before the podcast starts. Just wanted to let you know about a passion project of mine for the last three years called Hustle Focused Energy. It's a powdered drink mix intended to help you focus and accomplish your goals. Super excited to bring this to market. Go check it out, hustletheday.com. And thank you so much for listening. On this episode of the Hustle the Day podcast, I have Alex Vonderhaar of Hidden Falls Media. Alex has a background in neuroscience, but he managed to merge that with the digital marketing side of things and created an agency out of that. But there's some crazy stories about how he got to this point. You're going to have to check this one out. Let's jump into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hustle of the Day podcast. My name is Trent. Super excited, honored to have Alex Vonderhaar here. Alex, you know what? Not everybody may be familiar with you, but they should be. So why don't you jump in here? Tell me a little bit about yourself. Hey, thanks for having me. Super, super awesome. Super happy to hustle with you on this. Um, my name is Alex Vonderhaar. I'm the founder and CEO of Hidden Falls Media. We are a full service digital marketing agency. Uh, kind of what separates us from the pack is we take neuroscience and psychology research and apply it to our digital marketing campaign so that we can help serve small business owners around the United States. And we're now global as of 2020, which has been really cool to kind of help that process and watch that grow. But uh, yeah, man, I'm super pumped and happy to be here. Hopefully provide some great value to your audience. So I'll let you kind of take it away. Well, hey, you've provided already a ton of value to me. Uh, you know, you hopped on a call with me and we talked all things about my website and all the millions of things I was doing wrong with it. And you were just like picking it up, like, yep, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And it, it was very simple things, but it makes a huge difference. So yeah. I, I appreciate that first and foremost, but tell me about that, that neuroscience background. Like how did you decide that that would be helpful in marketing and like where, where'd that all come from? So it started with neuroscience first and then marketing. Um, so I've got a stack of books. All that top row is entirely dedicated to um, you know my psychology and neuroscience education background. I was super fascinated with the field of neuroscience called psychopharmacology. So it looked at how different drugs affected our brain and our behavior as a consequence and the way it shifts uh, our perceptions of reality, the way it affects, you know, waking reality, sleep, all of it. Um, so whether they were illegal or illegal drugs or even down to like food, I was super curious as to how that affected everything around us. Um, so that's what I went to school for, went to Ohio State University for it, came out and started getting into the float tank industry. So sensory deprivation tanks. And that's really where I started to cut my teeth with digital marketing and business development because I was working for a company and I was making minimum wage. I was washing tanks. So because it's so much salt that you're floating in, uh, when people get in and out of the tanks, that salt dries and it's all over the place. Like you come out of there like a cracker at the end of it. You're covered head to toe in salt. Um, so I did that for 18 months. And in that process, I was doing the digital marketing and helping with the business development side of that business. And we were able to take them from 100,000 in debt up to 2.2 million in sales within 18 months. 
And we did that by opening up a second retail location. We started doing online products, gift cards. Uh, we did subscription boxes. I mean, we tried every form of marketing that came along with it, added in things like cryotherapy, infrared sauna, massage, and started looking at the full spa experience on its own. So after a while there, I departed. Um, you know, I can't make minimum wage forever and they were never going to hire full time. Even after all these great successes, you know, you're kind of kicked back and put on your feet. I'm still great friends with the owner today. Him and I are great friends, um, but it just didn't fit into the cards of where he was going and where I was going. And it takes a lot of um, takes a lot of awareness and strength to kind of say, you know, I'm ready to pull back. So after that, I went and did door knocking. So I kind of put all my social media and digital marketing skills and psych skills away and I started to learn how to really sell. Um, so I did, I was that annoying person that would come to your door and knock and ask to see your energy bill to see if I could save you money using green energy and get off of dinosaur bones. So, you know, I really got used to this idea of selling, but I learned how fast I hated that type of environment um, because I'd gotten run off the road by a car I had actually, uh, yeah, I was, cause you walk, you walk everywhere and people were texting and driving like crazy. And, uh, I'd gotten run off the road by a car. I'd sent my boss a text message showing him that my shirt was ripped from corner to corner. My pants were ripped. I was covered in mud because it had been raining. And I sent him a text saying, Hey, I need somebody to come pick me up because I'm literally going to get arrested. I look homeless walking around a neighborhood with an iPad and my clothes are almost completely torn off of me. And I put that into the only way to get a hold of him was a group chat. So I put that into the group chat. Well, everybody started blowing up. Oh my gosh, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I just need somebody to come pick me up. So somebody that I was with out in the area came and picked me up and he called me and said, Hey bro, I can't have you posting that negativity inside the group chat. I'm going to have to let you go. So I'm at a spot of saying, okay, I just got run off the road for you. I'm covered head to toe in mud with my clothes ripped. And you're going to fire me because I'm posting something inside the only way to get a hold of you. So that was another wake up call. One, I have full control of my attitude and my results at all points in time in my life. That was like the biggest type of wake up call. Like nobody, nobody is really ever going to protect my best interests besides myself. And even at that, I was still at a spot in my life where I couldn't trust myself fully because I was, I wasn't keeping the small promises I was making myself on a daily basis. And that was like the biggest type of boom, I got hooked. So after leaving that job, I went and did a typical nine to five for what most people would consider. I was, <laughs> I was answering customer service lines. And in that process, I was hating life. I was driving downtown. And at that point, I just said, fuck it. I'm going all in. I know, I know how to do the skills that I know how to do, which is digital marketing. I'm at the time, I knew that I was using psychology and neuroscience principles, but I never really married the two ideas together. I knew that there were a lot of the social influence skills that I had learned through a lot of my classes. I knew about reward systems and how these platforms were really using it because I'd seen it firsthand and we were catching the golden rush of the early stage of digital marketing where I could get pay-per-click ads for that industry super cheap. I could get the attention for the 35 to 44 year old females inside of Facebook really, really cheap. I'm talking like conversions on a 80 to $120 package for under two to $3. So we would just play the constant investment game. We were spending 20, 30, 20 to 30,000 a month on ads and on Black Friday and holiday sales for retail, we scaled that up to 50 to $75,000 a month on those ads.
So I, I know the game, I could play the variables, but I never really felt the confidence to own that as an internal business and feel like, okay, I could open up an agency and do that. So January 1 of 2018, we actually opened and I went full time as really building this out. We, when we first launched, I scaled super fast. Um, we hit 100,000 in sales within the first probably like three months and then I lost all the money because I had no idea what I was doing. The customer experience was shit. Um, I didn't know how to hire people. I didn't know how to delegate tasks. Uh, I was essentially scamming people out of money. But <laughs> because I was so, I was good at the ads. I was good at getting leads. I was good at working that system, but I was really bad at running a business. I didn't have any of that structure because I'd only ever done that part of the marketing. And I did the fulfillment in store for people of an experience, but it's, it's so much different when you're coming at this from an agency perspective. So to kind of put a bow on this, here we are, you know, I scaled back my business middle of 2018 to just me and said, I'm going to really get the solopreneur style of this down first, get rid of the idea of hustle and grind and get rid of the idea of, you know, playing, playing the game, right. And really focus on the customer experience from point A to point B. And how do we get from point A to point C? And then how do we get them a little bit further down the line and keep pushing, guiding that full experience on a longer term and not just so transactional. So that's when I started getting into people like Gary Vee, Andy Priscilla, and Milet. Uh, I got a little bit into Grant Cardone and then I kind of fell out of style with his crowd. Um, but I started to get back into the idea of how much psychology and neuroscience truly drives marketing. And in the middle of 2019, probably towards like April of 2019, that's when we started to go all in on, yeah, there's so much starting to come out with research. There's so much information and preferred ways of doing this that are more scientifically backed than just, I'm just going to throw this up and by the happenstance of good images, good copywriting and good formatting, this is going to work. So how do we look at the science of color? How do we look at the science of sensation and perception and how that applies to your website? How does it apply to your social media? How does it apply to your packaging after they've bought something on social media and applied it even there? So, you know, we're, we're a marketing, we're a neuromarketing agency by trade. We just focus on the first touch point of digital marketing, but we help with the rest of it because there's so much to that experience beyond just that first step. It's just that first step is so important. How do you craft that image? How do you craft the business and the brand to extend that out through the next 5, 10, 20 years of the customer journey with you? So in a long shot, that's how we got from psych and digital marketing and science kind of all tied together. Wow, there is so much to that. That was, that's a crazy story. Like, I mean, it's so much went on there. Like I can, I still can't believe that your, your boss was just like, Hey, you, you're fired because you almost got run over by a car. Like, yeah, I, yeah, uh, that, that is crazy. But yeah, I mean, that's cool that you've got the neuroscience background and you know, that led you to where you are today. And I think that's a tremendous advantage to you because you know, a lot of people, approach it from what traditional marketing is and you know traditional marketing is is you know kind of stale by today's terms where you understand these things like it's it's understanding human behavior and what's funny is that we each as i've kind of been in the field for a bit now and i've gotten 
I've, I've considered myself of having, you know, over five years of digital marketing experience, even though I took the break, you really don't lose a lot of that skill. But what I found out was how much, how easy it was to go from my way into marketing where I've talked from other, I train marketers. I train marketers how to think like a neuroscientist and apply these methods back into their marketing. And it takes them so long to understand a lot of these core principles that we drive off of because they went to school for business and marketing or they went to school for marketing and business administration and they're trying to figure out the human element. We figured out the human element first and applied the filter of business over top of it. So I think you're right. I think it does provide a tremendous amount of value. I think it separates us in the marketplace. And I know for certain it's what's going to drive us forward. Um, because at the end, it doesn't matter. And this is what I tell all the people that are in my company now and the clients that I work with. And when I go and do public speaking, I talk about this too. When you're human-centric first and you're really looking at the human being and their habits and their daily rituals, you know them just as well as they do, if not better than their spouse. So walking through their life and figuring out how you're not you're not focused on interruptive marketing. I'm focused on marketing around the human that's going to add value to their day. How do I save them time? How do I save them money? How do I send them products or services that are going to make their life easier or complementary into the lifestyle that they already have? It's so hard to change somebody's lifestyle, right? It's why nutritionists and physio or, uh, exercise physiologists and the trainers have such a hard time switching somebody's mentality of I'm somebody that identifies as I'm fat to somebody that identifies as I'm healthy and you know I'm active. That's a lifestyle switch. And anybody that's gone through that journey on their own knows how hard that is because you're switching lifestyles. So that same concept applies with marketing too. Why would I switch your lifestyle of marketing instead of figuring out how to add somebody or some product or service that's complementary to the lifestyle that you have now? Yeah. No, I totally can relate to that because, you know, I've, I've been through a couple of those transformations and that I used to be, I used to be an introvert and I realized that was a self-fulfilling prophecy and I had to change that. And, you know, that process was not easy. It's still not easy, but I mean, it's, it's crazy to how you explained it. It's like, oh yeah, why, why are people trying to do that? And, um, you know, trying to market that way to make it difficult for them. And you know what, you're, you're right on. That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad you've got that figured out and you're, you're on the right path, but you know what, you, you talked about scaling the business and then scaling down the business and then, you know, scaling up again. I mean, that's, that's, you've got kind of a crazy story around that. Um, you know, a lot of the people, who are listening tend to be people who are young entrepreneurs or trying to do it themselves or, you know, even just have a side hustle and they're trying to get that to be a full-time thing. So talk about the limitations kind of you ran into being a solopreneur and then, you know, being able to delegate and start to scale that the right way rather than just add more onto your plate being a yeah. solopreneur. So, I think one of the biggest issues that I still face and I'm working on fixing consistently is the skill of delegating and communicating because when it's, when you're starting out and what I noticed is I tried to, I tried to grow my business entirely by adding more sales. So what did that look like in my first year? I went out and found 1099 contractors 
that only wanted to do freelance sale work. Great. It sounds great on paper, but what does more sales inside your business do? It's like a flashlight looking at the bottom of a boat that got shot up with bullet holes. You see every bit of damage that's done inside of your process, inside of your systems from A to Z. It, it, it illuminates all of it. So when we, when we decided to scale back, we took that time to focus on patching up all those holes that we saw. And that meant I scaled back down to being a solopreneur for the rest of that year. We took over a year and a half break of me doing all the work again. I, and then come about towards the end of 2019, we started to add people back. And as I looked at what I was adding back, we added back somebody to help me with, okay, I've got the vision. I can draw it out on paper or I can send it to you in a, like a flow chart of how this is supposed to work. I just need you to execute on that. I'll look back at, you know, polish it up, make sure there's no edit or editable things, and then we'll ship it out and go. But the majority of the heavy lifting was done. So I don't even know if that's still the right model. It's just what we started with. And now that we're growing, we're starting to add on to it. So we're looking at ways to restructure and repackage the same things that we have. So we don't have to go back and recreate, but we can work on providing it to more people by just positioning it differently. Um, and that's really where we've been focused on over the last probably three months is how do we take the excellent customer service and customer journey that we've built and work on getting that in front of more people. And I think that's the right way that we've started to shift our mindset into like selling. It's not, I'm going out there looking for the transaction. I'm looking to expose people to the process of what this can do. And I hope, I hope that helps because I think that's really the best way I can describe it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I definitely understand where you're coming from on that. And that's, you know, really helpful because a lot of people, you know, get stuck on so many different aspects of their business. And so it's, it's good to hear, you know, some of those pain points that you had and how you overcame those. Um, so the question, a question I have for you then is you are, you're doing this marketing thing. You've got the neuroscience background. Like, do you see it expanding beyond marketing? Are you more fascinated in the neuroscience side or have you become so enthralled in the marketing side that you love how they're meshing together? Like what, what does the future hold for you in that regard? Yeah. Um, you know, people ask when we say we're neuromarketers, so does that mean the market for neuroscience and like psychology? Uh, yes and no. We take a focus in the health and wellness industry because that's an industry that's so highly valued, in my opinion, of getting people healthy, giving them awareness of health and wellness, uh, whether that be through dentists, periodontics, um, health and nutritionists, and wellness guides, uh, meditation apps. You know, we're looking at all of those things and how to layer them in. So as far as really where the future is going and what we're looking to open up with, there are some things in the work that I can't really like give away yet, but it's going to be based around the idea of serving the business owner from pairing them with mental health counselors because there's staggering statistics around the suicide rate and the depression rate and anxiety rate inside of a business owner. Most of the time because they have that aggressive personality, they have that go-getter, they're willing, they're super risk adverse. So when we look at risk adverse people compared to suicide rates, it's already high in and of itself compared to the average population. And then when we look at it, okay, most of those high achievers and high performers are inside the medical field 
which has the highest rate of burnout outside of every profession next to entrepreneurship and business owners. So when we're starting to look at this whole picture of how the human be- how the human being works and how we can give them resources outside of just, hey, we can help you with marketing, uh, we're really starting to look back at our roots of neuroscience and psychology and helping those individuals kind of push through these areas of burnout, help them push through uh, different areas of like trauma that they're going through. A lot of business owners have PTSD and high levels of anxiety levels. So, okay, why don't we start to look at a pairing between mental health counselors and business owners and what good that can do for a local community. Wow. That is brilliant. works with that. It's not something that's out there because there's so many moving pieces, but that's really kind of the direction we're going. We want to use our marketing company to help bring that and accelerate a lot of those areas. Yeah. No, I, I spoke to, uh, um, one of the first podcasts I did, I spoke to somebody who was in mental health and that was their full-time job. And then they, you know, had a side hustle as well. And, you know, we talked about that of, you know, business owners and mental health, and that's definitely an issue. So. And, I mean, we've all seen it. So we go back to my story, right. Of I got run over by a car, thrown off of the road, ripped my clothes from head to toe. And I was asking for help. And I couldn't even be met with empathy because at the other line was you're making a bad impression on a team because you're not staying positive. And it's, yeah, I I truly wasn't staying positive, right? You can interpret a text message with a photo anyway, but where, where's the empathy and compassion that can come back to your team? If it's all about sales and it's all about pushing that forward step by step, you're going to lose people. And when you lose people, you have faith, you lose faith in the process, right? Because you feel like you're not on track to doing the right thing all the time. So a lot of resentment, a lot of anger and frustration and all these weird emotions that stack, there has to be a better way for these business owners to learn how to deal with this because it's not what we're equipped to do. A lot of business owners that I've found from working with over 50 different industries at this point are so good at their craft, but they suck at dealing with people. I've, I've definitely experienced that. Like I come from this background and it's still a skill I'm, I need to work on, right? The idea of tact, like uh, Chris Voss, the CIA negotiator calls it tactical empathy, like being able to just sit back and shut up and just care about where that person is at. You don't have to sympathize with them, but just understand where they're coming from and how much of that can be a taught behavior. He argues all of it is education. And just educating and practice and repetition and being aware that this is something that exists. Mm-hmm. So I, I can work on it better. I, I'm nowhere near an expert in it. Um, you know, I can run ads for you all day long and make them successful. But learning to manage large groups of people and teams, that's something that's still new. And I think that's a really scary part for a lot of young business owners because it's not just if I screw up, it's my bank account that's affected. If I screw up, everybody's bank account gets affected and I have to make it look and appear like nothing actually happened to their bank account. Yeah. Right. You want to talk about pressure. (laughs) Because it's not their mouth. It's their wife's mouth. It's their girlfriend's mouth. It's their kids. It's their family. It's, you know, it's maybe it's their mom and dad that depend on that individual to have a paycheck consistently. There's a lot of pressure that goes on. That's not talked about. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It's it's only talked about when it becomes an issue. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Podcasting and getting different people, getting different perspectives and having it be a dialogue is so much more powerful than just a basic training seminar Mm -hmm. because it's, it's real life. I can say, this is where I've struggled. This is where I've come from. And we can have a dialogue and you can be like, yo, like, this is how I've dealt with this. Once again, I don't know if it's a hundred percent right or wrong, but we can at least start that process of figuring it out as a collective because business owners are really good at two things. We're really good at figuring out how to get good at a craft. And we're really good at wanting to one-up the other business owner that's next to us. So, and a lot of times that comes from playful competition, especially when you're in amazing networking groups, like how me and you met and got to know one another. What we end up seeing is that we pass insider tricks and tools. So like if I found a way to deal with company culture that you haven't thought of yet, you're going to steal bits and pieces of that and apply it into your system. And be like, Oh yeah. Like I needed, I needed that 1% shift. Right. Yeah. It's the same way backwards of like when you were talking about, I helped you with your website. It's, Oh my gosh, I saw this in four other places. I get to pull back from that now. And now that I've done that, it's, I'm ingraining that pathway in my head of this is something that I'm seeing across the board and it's more pattern recognition for me. It was more valuable, I'm sure. And that's why I sent the thank you card. It was so valuable to me that I got to help you in that circumstance. Yeah, yeah, that that was ridiculous, though. I, you know, I post that on social media. It's like, wait, wait, you helped me out and I get a thank you card? Like, <laughs> well, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> Pattern recognition that I'm seeing more and more of. And to me, that's invaluable because now I know how to solve skills faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I get that. And so when you explain it that way, you know, I, it makes sense. But still, you know, I, I feel like I'm the one who received the majority of the value there. <laughs> yeah, well, I appreciate that. And like you said, you know what, there, there has been great opportunities where people have been helping each other. And that's where it's great to talk to other business owners and start the conversation. Because there's people who are, you know, that I've met that are basically competitors to me and we help each other out. It's not a, well, I'm not, I'm going to keep this close to my chest and that doesn't help anybody. I mean, there's, there's enough work out there for everybody. Yeah. The ones that do lose. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, one thing that I like to, you know, not have so much a stigma about, you know, going along with this uh, mental health thing is, so I want to bring light to, you know, some of the failures of entrepreneurs because we all go through failures and, you know, it's people like to have ego or pride and they don't necessarily talk about those. So what would you say has been your biggest failure? And more importantly, what did you learn from it? My biggest failure and what I've corrected from it was using one bank account for the business. Hmm. So I read the book Profit First at the beginning of this year, and it's an amazing book. Even if you are, even if you have a side hustle, if you're bringing any income in, even inside your family, I think it's totally applicable. So it talks about, we all know it from a weight loss perspective of if I eat off of a smaller plate, I'm not going to eat as much. So the idea of Profit First is that most people operate off of one bank account and treat it as its own P&L statement or profit and loss. I brought in this much, my expenses were this much, this is what I'm left with. 
right? And from that, we're supposed to get profit. So what's what doesn't end up working is that because we don't, humans aren't good at seeing those ratios inside of that big dollar amount. We're not able to see after I took everything away, how much of that is profit, how much of that still needs to go to operational expenses, how much of this goes to future projects, how much of this goes to taxes, right? Starting to separate all those out. So one of the biggest transformational shifts inside of my business was we created a profit first system. So we took the one main bank account where everything comes into, it's the top of the funnel, everything hits that one bank account that's inbound. From that, it gets automatically dispersed on two days a month into all these other different accounts that have certain ratios based off of percentages. And they talk about the idea of, you know, where you start is not where you're gonna end up, it's a process and you shift percentages to where you want over time. And in the book, they talk about that. So I recommend going through and getting that step-by-step -step manual, but as an overhead, that's really what we started to do and looking at it. And I mean, we were able to start taking owner's compensation now. So now I get paid for just being an owner and an operator inside my business on top of payroll. And we're looking at profit systems inside of there and how that can feed into company growth, different projects, bonuses, right? All these different things that weren't necessarily readily available in the top of my mind. because I wasn't looking at my money in an intelligent way. I was looking at my money from a very elementary level of, what comes in what comes in on the top minus what I have to spend is equal to what I have left instead of looking at how can I reduce costs in different areas and apply it so we can make sure our tax percentages is at 15% consistently and making sure owner's compensation is at a spot where it needs to be while we still have enough for overhead and operational expenses. So that way you're never truly, even if you find yourself running out of money in one of those areas, you at least understand what that area is, right? And it's not, oh, I took out 200 bucks to pay myself, but oh, I shouldn't have done that because now I have to put it back in to pay the Amex bill. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's an awesome uh, system. And, you know, I'm familiar with the concepts. I haven't read the book yet, but, you know, it's I've heard a lot about it and, you know, I, I understand it. Um, and that's more of a, you know, once you start getting income in you're extremely well read what would you say is like the book 101 what's the first book somebody who wants to start a business what should they be reading oh man that's a good question honestly i would probably still argue that one because money management from the beginning is so important because you have less of it right yeah. and like if i could go back and redo all my all, out of the order of books that I've read for my business, and because I've done 75 parts, I'm, I'm an avid reader on my own, anywhere from 15 to 20 pages a day pretty consistently. Um, so I, I tend to chew through books. That's just this year, that entire bookshelf behind me. So I would say starting with that one is a great place to start, just because money management from the beginning will save you so much time and effort. And having that system is much easier from the beginning than trying to look at, you know, I've got 500K in the bank and now I'm supposed to figure out how to divvy this up. Like, mm, it's a little bit harder. Yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. So that, that's good. Apparently, I need to bump that up the list. <laughs> There's a bunch of other ones, too. I think, I think becoming fluent in a lot of things is a strong suit of a business owner. It's also one of our weaknesses is that we like to look at a lot of different pieces and it's hard to kind of nail us down to one idea or one topic. 
which is great because we like to taste so much, mm-hmm. but we get so focused on one thing, we go deep whenever we find that one thing that really finds our, like piques our interest. So learning about that right now, our next thing of what I want to get into more is learning law and starting to kind of a little bit of basics about that and learning more of that side of the business beyond just, you know, a base understanding of what my basic human rights are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's great. I mean, you're obviously ahead of me on on the reading aspect, but, uh, yeah, that, honestly, reading has been one of those things that is a new thing for me, like uh, just in the last couple of years. Before that, I'd never read more than a magazine. But <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm playing catch up on a lot of a lot of books. But, um, you know, I've talked to you about some of these books before, too. So that's that's great. And, you know, what? there's there's a lot of knowledge out there. And that's the great thing about um, about the world now is that information is available to anyone. It's not something that is behind, you know, a veil of secrecy. It's, you know, literally pull up amazon.com or youtube.com. You know, you can find out anything that you might be lacking in. Yeah. I mean, you brought up a great point. So I got this a lot. We were trying to figure out how to learn as much as we could without spending a fortune on books. So what we would do is we would find the books that we wanted to read, look at it. The because people create videos on YouTube all the time of these books of like top five, seven, ten takeaways or the main principle of this book, and they break it down for you. So if you're if even, it's almost like doing the the inside cover or the back cover of the book where you're able to pull out the key points. You have somebody who's actually supposedly supposed to have read the book go through and start to do that. You know, it really helps. It really helps to get an idea of, okay, I can go into this book or no, I'm not ready for this one yet. I can't tell you how many times I've picked up a book that I thought I was ready for and I'm not. And I have to put it down after reading half of it and say, I have to come back. I will come back to you, but it's going to be later. Yeah. And see that that's smart on your part. I'm, I'm the type of person that, you know, like right now, I am listening to an audiobook in addition to, you know, read, actually physically reading, but I'm listening to this audiobook and it's, you know, 20 hours long and I'm like 14 hours into this thing and I'm like how much more can I get out of this thing in my current state like I'm just yeah I'm just not at this point but it's like I'm I'm going to finish it like I got to finish it that's just kind of my my whole attitude and I should be more like, all right, this isn't the time. Let's put this down, move on to the next one. But <laughs> a perfect example of that is uh, Scaling Up by Vern Hernesh, mm-hmm. which is a really highly recommended book for a lot of businesses that are at that three to five year mark. But I wasn't ready for it when I started reading it four or five months ago. But I'm sure by the end of this year, I'll be ready. And it's one of those just not being afraid to put it down and say, I will come back to you. And yeah. it's so small, it goes back to those small promises. It's, I've gotten used to that idea of I, I made that small promise to myself that I will come back to this book. Mm-hmm. It's training my brain for that delayed gratification too. Yeah. So what would you say is the most important thing that, you know, you keep talking about these small promises, like, 
what would you say is the most important thing you picked up when you started your own business that is going to help somebody stick with their business rather than put the business down and move on to something else or go back to a job? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to steal this straight from Gary V, which is uh, macro patience, micro speed. So I'm really fast to act, but I, and it's still something I struggle with. Everybody that knows me can attest to this that I'm not a very patient person. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of like you to where I'll bullhead my way through ideas or through topics. And I've learned that I have to have the macro speed to be able to push through some of those topics pretty quickly, but have the long-term patience of knowing that just because I planted that seed today, you know, business will take two to three years for that seed to start to show crop. And that's not even when you can harvest it. It's when it starts to go. So really kind of operating from that dichotomy and being comfortable with that. I think he does a really good job of explaining and having that catchy title. But it's, it's not something that you really understand until you experience it. And that's something I'm still working on because every time we implement a new idea into my business, I have to constantly come back and remind myself macro speed or micro speed, macro patience with it and just go through that process that it's going to take time. Just because I built the website doesn't mean it's going to have 10,000 followers next week and that it's going to have, you know, 50 conversions a day or 50 conversions a week of sales. Just because I build it doesn't mean they'll come. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a lot of people, a lot of business owners that, uh, you know, are at least in my experience, and you can refute me on this cause you deal with it more, but in my experience those of, uh, you know, the previous generation think that you put something online, people will show up. Like they just put it out there like, okay, where's the people? Well, you got to spend money. You got to do work. You got to do this. And yeah. There's, they don't seem to understand that as as well as maybe you and I do. But yeah, uh, you know, I work with business owners of all shapes, sizes, ages, and colors, and it's it's astounding what's out there and what the perception of the internet, and even more so what the perception of social media really is, and how it plays a role in your business. I, it's almost viewed as like a magic pill or a silver bullet, and the way I typically refer to people is it's like Pandora's box. You, there might be good things that open up for you. There might be bad things. It's our job to hunt down the demons and focus on the good parts of it and really attach ourselves to those. Mm -hmm. So with that, you know, yeah, you should have a great website because it's like shaking a hand at a networking event. It's how people are going to first meet. You. Same thing with your social media presence. We talked about this in a call the other day. Where's, where does your Facebook page fit into this? Because Facebook page organic reach for business owners right now is garbage. So how do you use it? Just because it was a successful tool for you and you know maybe six months to a year ago or even four or five years ago when we were getting those crazy low conversion costs that were able to build somebody a seven-figure business, it can still happen, but it's not going to be the same dollar amount and the same ratio now. So when we're looking at it, okay, how are you using it? Are you using it as a social proof tool to be able to tell customers like, hey, we exist, we're a real business and we have good reviews. And this could be a, a touch point for customer relationship for if they have questions about tracking or shipping or if you're an apparel company, 
hey, is this going to fit right? Or, hey, I messaged first form personally and said, hey, I got these supplements. Can you help me optimize how to stack them? So that way I'm using them to the best of what you guys know as experts. Even at, So even after I bought a product, getting that customer help and that customer service from those touch points instead of it being the main point of sale, right? It's yeah. all about you start to layer these in and think about your business strategy as a whole and what these tools can help you with. And I think that comes down from having a conversation with a digital marketer that's skilled and not just handing your phone over to your niece, nephew, brother, sister that has a personal Facebook or Instagram account. Yes. Yeah. That's, and yeah, I, I think we can uh, definitely relate to that. Um, and you know, you, you talked about, uh, prior to us recording, you know, you had a photography background and that's, you know, a lot of the same thing. You got to have that skilled person rather than, Hey, let's just, hand this camera off to someone and you're going to get different results. So. I mean, there was a massive commercial that was shot and I think it was for, uh, it, and I, I'm going to butcher the brand. I don't remember it exactly, but they shot it on an iPhone five and it outperformed every other ad commercial that was shot on like red dragons, which are $40,000 cameras. And that's just the body. That's not the lens. That's probably another 20 to 30,000. An iPhone 5 camera was outperforming them because they had somebody on the back end of it that was a skilled videographer. That was a skilled yeah. photographer. They knew how to compose. They knew how to use what was around them to their advantage. And I think social media and digital marketing as a whole is the same thing. We all know what the tools are. I can say the keywords of LinkedIn, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, TikTok, websites, SEO, PPC, but if you don't know how to stack them in the right order to compose that for your business, it's a missed opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I can completely uh, relate and agree with you because at one point I was partnered on a video production company and you know, we shot with red cameras. So I'm, you know, very familiar with cameras, but you know, the, the partner I had on it, basically, you know, he would never admit this to a client's face, but he's like, we have these incredible cameras for them. It's not for us. It's, mm -hmm. it's for them, their perception of, Hey, we're paying a lot of money. We need to be getting production value when you could accomplish the same thing with lesser equipment. It's just takes the right skill. Right. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how that all works. And you know, now you're getting into the neuroscience of the people that you're, of your clients, not necessarily just the the people they're trying to attract Putting them first. And there's an amazing resource book on that called uh, the guy. And I'll just, he has a few books, but look up Donald Miller. I know we've talked about him before and I, for your audience, I would really love for them to go check Donald Miller out. He posts a ton of free content. Um, his most recent book marketing made simple is absolutely phenomenal. If you're looking at learning what we were just talking about of, putting your customers in a spot of control, which is the best spot for them to be in. Read a book, read his book, Building a Story Brand, and then go back and read Marketing Made Simple, which is his new one. Um, those two will completely change your business and the way you approach marketing, the way you approach sales, the way you approach a website, social media. It all shifts because now we're no, it's no longer focused on how great I am. It's focused on how great they are. And people love individuals who give them praise who give them the the satisfaction of having that positive engagement they come back to that it's nurturing it's rewarding 
And we like people that we like and that feel like they like us. It's a social belonging. The reason that public speaking is so fearful for most people is because the only time we had to do it evolutionarily is if we were about to get kicked out of our tribe and we had to plead for ourselves to stay in the tribe. So there's it's no wonder it's so baked into our skull that it's scary because there is death and uncertainty attached to it. So when we go back and look at ways that we can provide people security and comfort and feed their basic human needs, that's when our marketing starts to take off. That's when our business starts to truly accelerate. Yeah, no, this is this is honestly all been fascinating. And, you know, we have talked about Donald Miller and, um, you know, you're not the first person to, uh, you know, mention his, his latest book uh, to me in like the last week. I mean, it's just been I've had several people you know, talk about that because it's, it's a fabulous piece of work. So, I mean, it's, yeah. It's practical. It's not fluff. It's not BS. You're going through step by step how to do this stuff. And it's honestly a lot of the same stuff we walk our agency clients through that are spending, you know, six figures a month on ad spend. They're doing, we're walking them through the exact same thing because they don't even have these fundamentals built. Yeah. More, more, more money on ad spend is not any more results, my man. <laughs> That's a hard lesson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, more money, more problems, right? <laughs> um, well, that that's cool. Um, one thing I want to touch on real quick. You talked about uh, previously how you had to step away from you know the hustle and the grind, and. I want to talk about, uh, you know, what hustle means to you because, you know what, the definition has definitely changed in general over the last several years. So what would you say is your personal definition of the word hustle? Zero option mentality. Um, really, really accepting the fact that if I'm going to put my mind to something, as human beings, we are, we are generation and creation machines. We love to solve problems inherently. It's part of our DNA and part of our just being. So I would want to see the context of hustle not be in the context of I'm trying to one-up or trying to scam or shift or be shifty with a situation, but instead I'm, I'm positioning my energy towards whatever constructive outcome I want to have happen with the zero option mentality that there's no way we're not going backwards, baby. It's all forward. And if, yeah. if we take a side road to get to where we need to go, that's okay. But the end goal is still the end goal. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, you know, burn those bridges and you know what? you're, you're not going back here. You're going to, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a fantastic way of describing it. And you know what? I, that can fit in so many different parameters and so many different boxes. As long as you maintain that end goal and keep working at it, that's, that'll get you there for sure. To kind of put a bow on that, we talked about that. It, it's really that it's hard to shift identities and it's hard to shift the lifestyle of what you're used to. And I think when you have a multi-option mentality, it says internally to your subconscious brain, I can fall back on these other options if I need to, or that I can fall back to the, I can revert back and I'm okay with that. You know, nobody saw me take the chance. So I saved myself the short term burn for that false promise that I didn't keep or that situation, right? If I'm going to lose 20 pounds, 
and I don't tell somebody and have that accountability and that hustle for it, then to back up my words, if I don't tell anybody or I don't put the effort in, I really only broke the promise to myself. Eh, I'm, I'm lazy. I'm fat. I'm overweight. I, I really don't care. It's just who I am. Making that lifestyle change on somebody that doesn't give up no matter what that is. I may take different ways to get there, different side turns and bends, and I may fall back two steps, but I'm still moving forward. You're going to end up in a different spot. Yeah. And think about the psychology aspect of that. Like if you don't make the, if you break your promise to yourself, I mean, that's just setting you further back even than if you didn't make the commitment in the first place. Yeah. It's that it's, it's resentment. Yeah. And it's internal resentment, which really sucks because it takes a ton of work to one self identify that that's there. And two, it usually manifests itself in physical illnesses. When we have these negative emotions built up, that's when we start to look at some of these serious diseases and cultural and health problems that we have. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's basic, but it's so hard to master that part. But it's a fun yeah. journey. I recommend it for everybody. Yeah, yeah, it is definitely a difficult journey. But it's one of the best things you can do. And a perfect example of that is somebody starting 75 hard. Mm-hmm. Make a 75-day commitment to excellence for yourself. Just move forward. Yeah, and and you know what? There's So, you know, you're going through the 75-hard program. I've, I've done it as well. Um, and, man, it is, it is definitely, uh, you know, they – Andy Frazella is the one who, um, you know, came up with this program and then he describes it as a mental toughness challenge. And a lot of people see it as a physical challenge because it does involve two workouts, two 45 minute workouts a day, one of them, which is outside. But let me tell you, like, yeah, there was a physical change, but it was all, all up here that all up in my head that that was the change that I got out of it. Yeah. So when you're, you're just about done with yours. So that, that's, that's awesome. You're, you're in the home stretch. This will be the second time completing it, but man, I failed a lot the first time I tried to make it through. This has honestly been, uh, you know, an awesome conversation. You know, I, I enjoy talking with you in the first place, Alex, but, you know, getting into, you know, some of your background and learning more about you has just been an awesome experience for me. Um, I want to give you an opportunity though, to, you know, plug, you know, where people can find you, where to best find more information about what you're doing. Totally. Um, first off, super grateful for the opportunity. I'm really thankful we had the time to be able to do this. You're truly a unique human being, man. Really. <laughs> uh, I'll try to take that as a compliment. <laughs> okay. uh, so my business is Hidden Falls Media, any of the social media platforms, Google, website, all that stuff. Uh, my personal Instagram page is where you can best get in contact with me. It's at alex.bonderhaar, V-O-N-D-E-R-H-A-A-R. And I'm available for all of it. Perfect. I'll make sure to include links in the show description so people can find you a little bit easier. But again, thank you, Alex. Appreciate the time. You know, I know I've gotten a ton of value out of this, so I know my audience has gotten a ton of value out of this. So I encourage you all to get out there and hustle the day.